Will you join with me in prayer? God, we give you thanks for this day, this time to gather, this community with which to gather. We give you thanks for the kids in our midst who remind me, remind me and us of the beauty of stories and storytelling. So God, as we open up the scriptures, as we hear from what you've laid on my heart, may we listen well to that thing that you have to say to each of us individually and to our community this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So one of uh, my favorite Advent traditions uh, is taking time each night. We light the candles. We have a much smaller version of the Advent wreath. And then we also have these Advent cards, and we do one each night. And then we hang them up on some ribbons. Uh, and then we also read from one of our children's Bibles. So if all goes according to plan, there's a picture Yes, there we go. All goes according to plan. So um, I love these little cards because on each of the back of them, there's a theme, a scripture to read, and then kind of a synopsis with questions for reflection. And then there's even a short prayer for the day. So we love doing these each day. And then by the end of December, we've got them hanging from a bookshelf. I, I had to crop it in because the bookshelves are crazy messy, two pastors. So you get to see my stocking that my mom made for me when I was a kid and a couple of the cards instead of the mess. Uh, but we hang those up and throughout the month of December we really enjoy seeing those stories and engaging and then we also had the Travis Park Advent activities and then of course we have an Advent calendar and um, for me not only because of the boys but also because of me like I really look forward to this tradition every year. So I really love these Advent devotionals that we do because it covers the breadth of Scripture. So the first day of Advent, we begin with creation. We learn about the fathers and the mothers of faith in Genesis. We remember Moses and the Exodus. We hear the story of young David, and then we learn from the wisdom of the prophets. I will say that I'm very impressed by the folks at the church where we served, where some, a team of folks put these cards together, because uh, they did an amazing job of both kind of capturing the breadth of scripture, while also making it kind of concise and thematic so that children and families can engage with it. But they cover this uh, kind of whole breadth of scripture leading up to Jesus. So I really love these cards because they remind me, like, when we start in December and it's like, we begin with the beginning. I'm like, wow, we got a long way to go to get to Jesus. But it's so exciting to think about creation and God's presence with every single generation in the midst of pain and tragedy. And I just think, man, there's so many lessons. And I hope that year by year, our boys and we will be reminded of God's love for God's followers in scripture and the story of God's people. So today, particularly after the birth of Jesus, we're going to focus on Mary and Joseph and Jesus, their flight to Egypt, um, and how this kind of echoes Moses's story. 
So if you've grown up in church or if you're familiar with this particular scripture passage or even if you were just paying attention when you saw what we kind of said was the scripture reading for today, then you know that I left out a part of the story. So there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, one of them is that this particular story we do a little bit out of order. So uh, the wise men, the magi, the astrologers, the kings, however you've kind of grown up with that tradition or heard it proclaimed, we're going to get to them next week when we talk about Epiphany. So it's a little bit tricky because it's their arrival and their questions that lead Herod to then searching out Jesus and then to the violence. Um, and the violence is pretty intense. So honestly, I kind of left that out because I wasn't sure if we would have a lot of kids here. Um, I think we should be reading scripture, all of it. I also think sometimes it's nice to kind of edit a little bit when we've got kids in the room. Uh, so it's also uh, something to focus on this week is this angel that came to protect Mary and Joseph and Jesus. So in the midst of this, I think it's important that even if we don't read it, we remember that there were children killed by Herod. As we read the Gospel of Matthew, it's important to remember, and this is a big part of something that I have conversations with folks, is that something can be descriptive in Scripture, explain what happened and how it may, quote, fulfill Scripture without being willed by God. So when we read passages with violence and tragedy, it's important to sit with the discomfort. It's okay to ask why. Why is one of those big life questions that we bring with us to our study of scripture. And it's also a question that I think we will just wrestle with throughout our lives. In her book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved, Professor Kate Baller recounts the three main questions that people like her ask when they're given a cancer diagnosis. Why? God, are you here? And what does this suffering mean? I think the Gospel of Matthew asks similar questions. And like Dr. Baller, the Gospel writer begins with faith. Beginning with faith means that we have a solid foundation on which to stand as we run and stretch and wrestle with what, it, what is happening. So when we begin with proclaiming that we believe the mystery of faith, that Jesus was fully God, fully human, born as a baby, lived, loved others, died on a cross, was raised from the dead three days later, then I think we can more easily hold on to God and each other when scripture challenges us, when the road is rough, when we want the world to be different than it is. Baller didn't want to be dealing with cancer when she was so young. And I imagine Joseph found it shocking to be woken up in the night to be told by an angel to run for his life and to take his family with him. When we read his story, we're reminded that time and again, God goes with those who are struggling for freedom. Both the story of Moses and the story of young Jesus remind us that the whole world is filled with violent leaders who will harm others to get what they want. One thing leaders like Pharaoh and Herod want is power. And Jesus was a threat to that power because he was and is the true Messiah, a leader of the world. Jesus continues to be a threat to leaders and everyday people who've not submitted their wills, their lives, 
their loves, and their actions to God. We cannot have two masters. When we receive the love and grace of God, we're invited to listen to and then follow God. We're invited to be on the move like Jesus, going where God leads. Like Joseph, we're called to be ready to leave our home, become a refugee, to go wherever God sends us. So whether like our migrant neighbors, we will literally be on the move, or if it's rather an invitation to let go of what we think brings us safety and security, we're invited to take the next right step on the journey of discipleship even if we don't know where we are going. So like most parents with young children, we have seen the second Frozen movie. Some of you maybe have seen it. I won't give anything away, no spoilers, but I will quote one of the songs, The Next Right Thing. So Kristen Bell, who really to most kids has no name other than Anna, sings an honest and hopeful song during a difficult moment. Just do the next right thing. Take a step, step again. It's all that I can do, the next right thing. I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take, but break it down to this next breath, this next step. This next choice is one that I can make, so I'll walk through this night Stumbling blindly towards the light and do the next right thing. And with it done, what comes then? When it's clear that everything will never be the same again, then I'll make the choice to hear that voice and do the next right thing. Anna chooses to do what she thinks is right, what she thinks is next, even when she doesn't know the whole picture, when all she can see is right in front of her. Joseph also listens to the voice that tells him what's next. He listens to the angel and steps into the dark, travels to Egypt, protects his family, flees violence. He again listens when the angel tells him to come back home, but wisely settles away from another tyrannical ruler. Anna, Kate Ballard, Joseph remind us of the hope that we can have when life is difficult, when the way seems unclear and scary. The Gospel of Matthew writes his account of Jesus' life after the good news of the resurrection has been proclaimed. He looks back at the whole of Scripture, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, and he sees signs of what was to come, the hope we have because of Jesus. So what is it that the Gospel of Matthew wants us to hear? I believe we're invited into a journey of freedom. Like Moses leading the Israelites, Jesus invites all people into freedom. In her memoir, Kate Baller speaks boldly, honestly, and theologically about her cancer diagnosis and her life. One of the important life's lessons that she reminds her readers is that life is so beautiful, life is so hard. 
She was in her 30s when she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer with a wonderful job at Duke Divinity School where Eric and I went to seminary, a young son and a loving husband. Fowler's life was turned upside down. As she lived with the diagnosis and difficult treatment plan, she penned her book about the things that we cling to, the unhelpful things we sometimes say to each other when life gets hard, and the beauty of simply showing up and doing the next right thing. A wise friend of hers said, don't skip to the end. By that, he meant that she shouldn't worry excessively about what would happen to her family when she died. She shouldn't obsess about her own death and life after death. She shouldn't hold so tightly to her treatment plan. She would actually lose time if she focused on these things and the end, the big end. Instead, her friend reminded her simply to be here to really be present to her values, to God's loving presence, to the peace that she feels when she's surrounded by friends and prayers and family, and to focus on what it means to live. She ended her book by saying, I will die, yes, but not today. We all know we will die, but what will we do with the time that we have, with this day, with this life? Every single Christmas, I'm reminded of the importance of our bodies, our lives. God came near to us by becoming human. This life, our pain, our heartache, our needs, the suffering of our neighbors matters. We vote. We attend protest marches. We give what we can to this church, to Corazon Ministries, to Deborah's House, to other nonprofits, because we believe that taking care of each other matters. We believe that life here and now is important. The image that heaven is only some pie in the sky isn't helpful because it misses the importance of this day and our lives. We grieve when we read in Matthew that innocent children were killed while Jesus escaped. We grieve when we read the news and hear that migrant children are held in detention centers when they should be in warm, safe homes with their families. We're called to action when kids in our local schools go hungry. We cry out at the injustice of families going bankrupt because they can't pay their medical bills. We know that life should look different because of Jesus. We know that God wants peace because Jesus was willing to die on a cross rather than violently overthrow his enemies. We know that the world can and should be different. And so we work towards the good future that Jesus makes possible here and now. We wake up each day and we do the next right thing. So as we wrap up this calendar year and look to the start of a new year, I think it's important to take time to reflect on what next step might be right for us as individuals and as a community. Before we can get to figuring out what's next, I think it's important to remember who we are, why we gather, and what resources we have for the journey. It's been a really hard year for us here at Travis Park Church. I think it's important to name that. We were angry and heartbroken when we heard the news about the General Conference of the United Methodist Church. 
we do not agree with how the broader United Methodist Church defines marriage and who the church is willing to ordain. We believe that God wants to welcome all and will continue to work for justice in the Methodist Church. We did incredible work welcoming so many migrants into our building over the spring and summer. It was beautiful, but it was also exhausting. And then we had the flood. We're still recovering from the flood, and it will take many more months to get things to the order we want it to be in. In addition to these things that we've dealt with as a church, each of us individually brings our own joys and challenges into this space, into this moment. We grieve the loss of loved ones, difficult job changes, and so many other things. So what will 2020 bring? Well, we know there will be another general conference, more decisions about how Travis Park Church will affiliate ourselves with other Methodists. We may be figuring out with other churches what kind of connection that will be. More decisions about our building and how we want to use it for ministry. And so many things that we can't predict. We don't know what is coming, but we do know what we have as we step forward. We have God's love and presence. We have each other. And we have tools for the journey. Songs, music, communion, prayer, scripture study, service, and other acts of faith. Friends, we gather each week, even in the midst of a busy holiday season and a time when so many folks are traveling, spending time with friends and family, because we need strength for the journey. We need to be filled so that we can go back out in service again. We need to be encouraged as we cling to hope so that we can keep doing the next right thing. We're a people on the move like generations before us all the way back to the beginning of time to the creation. And we have what we need to keep loving God and serving others. May we remember the good news of Jesus and the hope that we have because of him. May we, like Kate Bowler, remember that we will one day die, but today, this day, we get to live, truly live. Amen.